Hello everyone, and welcome to the first minisode of Mythology, a slice of Norse myths as it is echoed in Tolkien's work. This episode is released in conjuncture with the Green Door Podcast regular production. My name is Meike Hella. I'm a writer and mythology enthusiast, and if you're a regular listener, you might have heard me chime in on the Silmarillion along with my two amazing co-hosts, James and Ads. Speaking about Ads, give his Minnesota a go. It is called Second Breakfast, and just as mythology, it is a shorter segment on Tolkien-related material. In his original release, Ads reviews the history of Middle-earth, or, as it is known amongst fans, Home. His last episode was an introduction to Tolkien's creational drafts of Middle-earth, how characters and locations came to be, and how The Hobbit found its way into the greater lore of The Lord of the Rings. Ads is a great narrator and a dedicated storyteller. Second Breakfast is a miniseries you won't want to miss. I'm so glad you stopped by tonight to join me in discussing dwarves and the wonderful gifts they craft. The fire is roaring and its glow sends shadows dancing against the thick forest at her backs. There are definitely enough pelts to keep everyone warm in this cool autumn night, so gather around, grab a horn of mead, and let us talk of the gods, the dwarves, and all the stories our ancestors once loved to hear. You might remember season one of the podcast when we discussed the influence Norse mythology had on Tolkien in crafting his secondary world. Dwarves are a common denominator to both lore, and Tolkien borrowed more than the names of dwarves listed in the poem called Voluspa. Dvalin, Durin, Filikili, Bumbor, Thorin, and Oakenshield are some of the more familiar names we retain. Here's a look at the professor's characterization of dwarves. In the Tolkien legendarium, dwarves dwell underground in rock fortresses. They excel at working metal and stones and love their share of precious gems and pearls. Nymphalos is the prized pearl the elf king Thingol gives the dwarves in exchange for their help in building the impressive and impenetrable Menegroth of the Thousand Caves. Dwarfs, we are told, are also an accomplished race of fighters, and like their creator Aule, they are quite exceptional crafters. In Middle-earth, the dwarfs teach the Sindar how to make weapons, but dwarvish craftsmanship is never outmatched. This characterization of the dwarves beautifully dovetails into the folklore that survives in Norse mythology. In the Norse cosmology, the world is created out of fire and ice, and out of the meeting of those two terrible elements comes the proto-being, a giant named Ymir. Odin and his brothers go on to slay the giant whose body they used to create the world as we know it. 
from his bones the mountains, his blood the oceans, and his skull the dome of the sky. The gods then create the dwarves out of the giant's remains and place four dwarves to hold the sky, each dwarf named after one of the cardinal points, Northri, Suthri, Austri, and Vestri, North, South, East, and West. The dwarves of Norse mythology aren't as characterized as the ones created by Tolkien, and their descriptions can sometimes be, let's say, arguably confused with that of dark elves, because both live underground and are said to have a darker complexion. The dwarves of Norse mythology live in one of the nine worlds strung upon the world tree called Yggdrasil. If we humans live in Midgard, or as Tolkien calls it, Middle-earth, the dwarves are in Nidavellir. Some stories in the Prose Edda talk about gateways between the worlds, how one can stumble into the land of dwarves through cracks in the earth, or a tight space between boulders. One such instance is the goddess Freya herself, who discovers such a passage while visiting Midgard. It's a fair assumption to think of Norse dwarves as being shorter than men or gods. They are described as exceptional craftsmen and provide as guardians with the weapons and objects that make their fame and invincibility. Their creations are infused with magic as well. If you ask me, I think that the dwarf's most famous creation is undoubtedly Mjolnir. Thor's iconic hammer. As opposed to what Marvel wants you to believe, Mjolnir wasn't crafted in the heart of a neutron star by a giant dwarf who also happens to double as Lord Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones. But I digress. In addition to Thor's hammer, which, by the way, was an still is the iconic symbol for Norse pagans nowadays, the dwarves crafted gifts for other gods in the pantheon. One of my favorite is Gungnir, Odin's battle spear. It never misses its target, and Odin is known for lending it to warrior heroes in the sagas. Because of that mythic spear, battles were often dedicated to the god of war himself, and a spear would be thrust across the field to open combat between two different clans. Another fantastic dwarvish creation is Brisingamen, Freya's golden necklace. This is echoed in Tolkien's Silmarillion in the necklace made for Finrod by the dwarves. Here's a quote from TolkienGateway.net. The Nauglamir, or Necklace of the Dwarves, is a famed piece of jewelry combined with the craft of dwarves and gems from Valinor. It is of great grace and beauty, which it gives to its wearer. Despite being loaded with gems, it sits lightly on the neck." End quote. Going back to Freya. Freya is a complex deity. She's associated with beauty and fertility, but also war and the slain. Freya is what we may call 
a fully emancipated woman, and you'll find out why. She's also associated with Valkyries, Odin's female warriors who scavenge battlefields in search of those worthy of Valhalla. Freya is fond of pretty things. She's a collector of precious goods. And when she catches sight of the extraordinary golden necklace four dwarfish brothers are crafting, she demands to have it for her own. She is, after all, a Vanir, a goddess of high standing, and all should pay respect to her throughout the Nine Worlds. Sensing the opportunity to strike a double-ended deal, the lustful brothers agree to give her the necklace, but at a cost. Freya must slay with them in turn, spending one night with each of the brothers. Far from being insulted by the terms of the deal, Freya, the warrior goddess driven by gain, agrees, and the legendary Brisingamon becomes the envy of all back in Asgard. Among other remarkable creations by the dwarves, we get Draupnir, Odin's gold arm ring, which makes eight copies of itself every nine nights. Arm rings were precious goods during Norse times. They were offered to chieftains and warriors as a means to solidify alliances. Allegiances were also sworn on arm rings at temple or during a thing, capital T. A thing was a meeting of law of some sort in front of the chieftain. Another one of the creations is Frey's boat and his boar. Frey is Freya's brother and the god of fertility and harvest. The boat the dwarves craft for him is a magical one. It sails the roughest seas, but once on land, it can be folded and placed into the god's pocket for transportation. As for the boar, the dwarves craft him Gulen Bursti, or Golden Bristle. A boar which rides faster than a horse across the sea or in the air. Being made of gold, the boar remains luminous with its own intrinsic light even in the darkest of night. This might remind you of an earlier depiction Tolkien makes of Orome as he cuts across the dark forest to hunt fell beasts. It is said that his horse glows in the night. The last of the dwarves' creation, which I will bring up in this segment, is one which is quite exceptional, and not because it is some fearsome weapon, but rather because it is crafted to address what some would consider a terrible nightmare. Imagine waking up one morning to realize that while you slept, you lost all your hair. How distraught would you be? Well. That's exactly what happens to Sif, Thor's wife. In an act of pure mischief, Loki sneaks into Sif's bedroom one night and using shears, he cuts off all of Sif's golden hair. When Thor finds out, he threatens Loki with his life. As is often the case for Loki, he antagonizes the gods, only to troubleshoot a solution and atone for his behavior. Loki enlists the help of dwarves to craft Sif long golden locks, 
each hair a thin thread of gold. Well, I truly hope you've enjoyed sitting by the fire as you let your mind wander beyond the pages of Tolkien's books. If you enjoyed this episode of Mythology, make sure to check out our page on Facebook. Find us at The Green Door Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Help support the show by rating us and leaving a comment below. If you enjoy Norse-related content, I happen to create some, both on my website at makehala.com or on YouTube. Look for me, and when you do, come and say hi. Until then, and on behalf of my co-hosts, James and Ads, we wish you a wonderful time exploring the lore of the master himself, J.R.R. Tolkien. Thank you for listening. And remember, stay curious. <laughs>